Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you're listening to us on a computer that has not yet turned against you. I was going to say, here we are, two ghosts in a machine. (laughs) Oh, God. We have very very cool, refined ghost noises. Yeah, yeah. Our ghosts are very respectable, actually. Um, We have two things, two things to tell you. Uh, The first of which... Well, they're both sexy, really. They're both. I agree. They're both sexy. So, uh, Jenny, which sexy thing do you want to begin with? Well, let's start with the big news. Big news. Kristen. Sexy Saturday, June 10th, 7 p.m. Eastern. What's going to happen? We are going to be doing a live taping, live on the internet, that is, of season one, episode 11, Eve, featuring an appearance by a very special guest you will not want to miss. You can snag tickets and get info over at bufferingcast.com slash stream. If you are a patron, tickets are available right this very moment. Uh, Today is May 24th, and you can go and scoop them. If you are not, tickets will go on sale to the public this Friday, May 26th. Uh, You can scoop tickets, but you can also scoop merchandise. We've got a new t-shirt that has the Buffering Rewatch logo on it over there, which is pretty fun, and also only available on stage pilot we've got a shirt that says mrs spooky Mulder." it will not be available anywhere else so if you are a mrs spooky Mulder, <laughs> this is your now chance. is your time <laughs> here is your place <sighs> also if you can't make the live broadcast at 7 p.m eastern on june 10th the vod for ticket holders will be available through june 17th so you have no excuses spend time with us mm-hmm. And Eve, Mm -hmm. and it'll be fun. Who is Eve? Is she going to eat an apple? Is a snake going to (laughs) offer it to her? Is she an alien? Is the story of the Bible actually a story of aliens coming to Uh, planet Earth? I'm just wondering. Okay. We can talk about it on June 10th. And did you say, Jenny, that we're both going to be in Maine? Because we're both going to be in Maine. We're going to be. Oh, we're both going to be in Maine. You can watch us reunited. And I anticipate it will feel so good. I as well. Um, All right, let's go to the other sexy segment. Yes, Jenny? Yes. Speaking of union (laughs) and feeling good, (laughs) I have for you, dear listener, the results of the Sexual Tension Awards poll for season one, episode six, Shadows. Here's the deal. In slot number four, fourth place, with 11% of the vote, They say that breaking up is hard to do, but you know what else is hard to do? Breaking things and even just moving them when you're a ghost. Howard the ghost and moving things did not move the hearts or perhaps loins of our listeners. So it landed in fourth place with 11% of the vote. (laughs) In third place with 14% of the vote, they don't need your approval, so they don't care. Mm -hmm. But it's Mully and... 
Mully and Skulder. Mully and they Skulder. Are. Hell it's yeah. Scully and Mulder. <laughs> it, it really, it does not roll off the tongue as easily to say Scully and Mulder as it does to say Mulder and Scully. I know. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to leave my mark on the fandom, you know. Perhaps the reason. <laughs> Jesus. Perhaps the reason that Scully and Mulder failed to take home the gold in this episode is because their attentions are elsewhere. Yeah. Both of their individual attentions are pointed elsewhere in second place with 35% of the vote. But honestly, more longing than who ended up in the first slot. It's Mulder and Ghosts. True. He's all about those ghosts. I don't know. I think I would have voted for the top. I think I would have voted for the winner Hmm. here. Well, if you like Kristen would have (laughs) or did, you must be happy to see in first place with 40% of the vote, Scully and Believing. Hmm. It's just like it feels like for Mulder, if he like he's longing for proof of the paranormal for his own personal mm-hmm, reasons. Mm-hmm. And I understand sure. that With Scully is like longing for believing for her personal reasons, but also because I think she knows that if she believes, she'll probably get a smooch. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> there's more at stake yeah. for yeah. Scully. Scully and believing or Scully just witnessing evidence yeah. that was there until she turned the corner <laughs> is an even bigger will they won't they maybe yeah. than scully and the bathtub oh my god uh, well there well, you have it there you have it it cannot be argued those are the results thank you for listening to them and without further ado we're gonna ghost ourselves into the machine of the episode <laughs> it's my ghost noise <laughs> This operation is more sensitive than you can possibly imagine. Don't listen to him. The technology in this machine is of enormous scientific interest. The machine's a monster, Scully. It's already killed two people. They won't be able to handle it any better than Wilczek did. Make no mistake. You will be held accountable. files a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of the x-files one by one spoiler free i am jenny owen young's ex-wife of Kristen russo and i grew up watching the x-files and i'm Kristen russo ex-wife of jenny owen young's and i've only ever seen seven episodes of the x-files today we are talking about season one episode seven ghost in the machine Ghost in the Machine was written by Alex Gansa and Howard Gordon, directed by Gerald Friedman, and originally aired on October 29th, 1993, which means this was their Halloween episode, question mark? Yeah, it's funny that you say that, uh, Jenny, because the IMDb description is on Halloween, Mulder and Scully investigate the death of a corporate executive who may have been murdered by a thinking computer. Uh, I scour- this is where you, dear listener, learn that sometimes we read the little ticky tacks 
that where uh, we assume um, Scully Hauser is typing the uh, date and location yeah. in the bottom left hand corner of the screen when when they bother to do that. Uh, sometimes we read them. Sometimes we don't. Let uh, us live. Yeah, I mean, there's there is a jack o' lantern in the episode. Uh, later, Jerry will reach his grubby little fucking hands into the jack o' lantern at FBI headquarters to take some candy. Uh, and also, somebody Mulder, I think, says trick or treat. Somebody says trick or treat. Those are the only two references to the wow. holiday known as Halloween that I found inside. Nary of this a episode. pumpkin to be seen. <laughs> um. You know, it is kind of funny that, it, or fun, I should say. It is kind of fun that it's October 29th that it aired in the 29th floor. It plays such a significant role. I did notice that. Very fun. Uh, anyway, we should talk about LaToya. I've gotten ahead of ourselves. Noted techno-anarchist <laughs> and my dear friend, producer LaToya Ferguson, gives this episode a scary rating of one out of five non-murderous scruffy minds. <laughs> Uh, catch who's that guy gerard butler mm-hmm. in the the upcoming feature film a scruffy mind is it gerard butler i don't know my mom is a huge crush on gerard butler so i just agree with anyone when they suggest that gerard butler is in something it's russell crowe it's the other gerard butler <laughs> oh, russell crowe i don't know how i feel about that comparison uh, uh i agree Sorry, are you more in, into Gerard? But I'm looking at Gerard Butler, and I was just looking at Russell Crowe, and there's even a picture of Gerard Butler in some like you know, Greco-Roman ancient times armor. <laughs> They're not doing themselves any favors in terms of being uh, discernible from one another. Yeah, I think that it just—I don't know anything about Gerard Butler except for that, like I saw him in a movie one time or maybe five, and then mm-hmm. Russell Crowe I have like bad associations with, and I honestly oh. cannot even tell you why. Like the the oh. listeners are probably just like yelling at the audio right now, being like, "Kristen, how do you not know what you're referencing?" But that's how my mind works. Okay, As my scruffy mind. Yeah, you've knows. got limited space. you yeah. got to just trust your gut at this point because the data is no longer available. LaToya wanted you all to know that she's in a real fuck AI mood because of the <laughs> current WGA strike. Yeah. Uh, but probably even if that wasn't going on, I feel like she would have felt similarly about this episode. And I and I would like to say I agree. Not that anyone is asking m- me to agree or disagree with all of LaToya's ra- rankings, but LaToya was uh, not happy with me for disagreeing with her scary ranking on the last Poltergeist episode. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I guess, how dare you? I, we might. It's possible that I've gotten us closer the to... The feud. We're back in feud. feud territory. I know. Uh-oh. But I do well, agree. Good thing this... I wasn't involved in that. <laughs> this was not a scary... It was not a scary episode that like would scare you if you're afraid of horror. However, as we move into the uh, beginning of this episode, Jenny, I will say it is kind of a terrifying episode when you just think about the state of things from 93 to 2023. Yeah, not great. But though the thing that LaToya brought up that like really struck a chord for me is that like, you know, from the very beginning of the episode Who's doing what? <laughs> Who's getting up to no good? It's the computer. Uh, so there's like no tension. There's totally. no like what's going to happen. It's like the computer's going to do evil stuff until somebody stops it or until the computer wins. Totally. Because you kind of know that the computer isn't going to kill Scully. I mean, one would assume that 
Scully will be alive at the end of this series featuring uh, two main players, Mulder and Scully. <laughs> it definitely takes the fear factor out of the show when there's only two main anchors of the series. <laughs> They're probably not going to kill either of them off. Probably? Question mark? Yeah. Also, Jenny, this was, I think, the first episode that was not an X. There is there is not an X file in this episode. Yeah. Mulder didn't have the opportunity to toss a file on anybody's desk and ask if they'd ever heard of something. Have you ever heard Um, of artificial intelligence? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, Could I, Kristen, Mm -hmm. read to you? Mm hmm. Uh, the first paragraph of the Wikipedia summary of this ar- of this episode. Please. Okay. In the Crystal City, Virginia, headquarters of the software company Eurisco, founder Brad Wilczek and chief executive officer Benjamin Drake argue about downsizing measures. After Wilczek leaves, Drake writes a memo proposing to shut down the central operating system, COS, a computer which runs the Eurisco building. Seeing this through a surveillance camera, the COS sets up a trap and lures Drake into a bathroom, locking the door behind him. Drake tries to use his key card to open it, but it rejects the card. When he inserts a manual override key, he is fatally electrocuted. I just really, I was reading this and I just really, it touched my heart when I got to the part that said, seeing this through a surveillance camera, the COS sets up a trap and lures Drake into a bathroom. I mean, obviously, the computer is sentient and it's uh, killing people and stuff. But even having finished the episode, that sentence still really hits for me. How do you plead? Uh, Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I mean, and what I was going to say earlier is that, like, this is an episode that is, I I think if if I had watched it in 1993, I mean, had I not been 13, but had I watched it in 1993, I would be like, yeah, I wasn't that scared. And like I said earlier, watching it in 2023, everything takes on a different context. So whereas, like, yeah, that's funny. Then I'm like, it's not funny now. AI is everywhere. Yeah. It's like, on the one hand, yes, AI is everywhere. It's like particularly omnipresent right now. I feel like it's really in the cultural consciousness. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. The flip side of the coin is that it's 1993 and this is a show called The X-Files. So, of course, there had to be an episode about sentient technology yeah let's uh, becoming malignant can i take us on a tiny little journey jenny for for those of you who are were super young in the 90s or not even born in the 90s okay because now the internet is a thing it exists it's everywhere we all know what it is right i just want to play a brief sound clip here uh this is from the today show in 1994 Violence at NBC, GE, com. I mean, well, what Allison that? should know. What, what do you is say internet that anyway? Internet is uh, that massive computer right. network, mm-hmm. the one that's becoming really big now. What do you mean? That's big. How does one? What do you write to it like mail? No, a lot of people use it and communicate. I guess they can communicate with NBC writers and producers. Allison, can you explain what internet is? No, she can't say anything in 10 seconds or less. Oh, <laughs> Allison will be in the studio shortly. What, is what does it mean? It's a, it's a giant computer network made up, made up of, uh, started from... Oh, I thought you were going to tell us what this was. It's so like a, a computer the dictionary. billboard. It's, it's not in it. It's, it, it's, it's a computer billboard, but it's nationwide, right. and it's, it's several uh, universities and everything all joined together. And right. And others can access it. And, right. And it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. 
this really shines a new light on um that one agent explaining binary code to Mulder and Scully. It's like, oh yeah, it was a different time. Were we ever so young? And like, this is where we were in conversation around like the internet. Uh, This is 93. The movie Hackers, a classic, is 95. An episode that I'm sure we're going to talk about at least for a moment of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I, Robot, You, Jane, came out in 1997. Uh, so it's a time when we are really thinking about what happens when computers can possibly think or when machines can have minds of their own. And now, Jenny, to your point about where we are, this is 30 years later, okay? You just heard Katie Couric and Al Roker say, what is internet 30 years ago? T- today, I Googled AI to just see what was in the news today, the day we're recording this. Wall Street Journal, will AI help us or leave us behind? The New York Times, Google builds on tech's latest craze with its own AI product. Fortune, a 23-year-old Snapchat influencer used OpenAI's technology to create an AI version of herself that will be your girlfriend for $1 per minute. I could go on and on. These are literally headlines from today in the news it's so like it just i just can't put too fine a point on what i experienced here which is the sobering side by side of 1993's conversation around ai and sentient computers and 2023's reality i find it to be the most terrifying x-file yet even though it is neither an x-file nor scary on its own take me back to simpler times (laughs) like the Cylons were created by man. They evolved. They rebelled. Yeah, there are many copies, yeah. and they have a plan. Yeah. Give me a simple technological foe who will smite me. <sighs> I, I'm with you, Jenny. That's also what I would like. I would prefer a Cylon. Okay. Uh, anyhow, so my, those are my like large format thoughts on the episode. I went probably a little harder than I normally go just because I like unraveled on my couch as I did the side by side. Yours, Jenny? I mean, yeah, my, my biggest thought is like, of course, this episode exists. Uh, and of course, it has not aged well. <laughs> uh, and also, of course, man, Brad Wilczek is like really going for it in every scene. Yeah, well, you want to get into it. I mean, you described the you gave us the wiki description of this first screen. Brad Wilczek is the scruffy mind, uh, and Ben right. Drake is the neat mind. These are this is That's the dichotomy right. that is clearly explained for us later in the episode by Brad. Um, ben, a role played by actor Tom Butler. This guy is in fucking everything, uh, everything everywhere, um, and Brad going real hard. Uh, on his performance in this opening scene. Yeah, he just really wants you to believe it. Uh, He's very passionate about his work or whatever. And, uh, you know, I think that opening paragraph from Wikipedia pretty much tells us everything we need to know narratively. The only thing it left out is that after Benjamin Drake is killed, the COS says, file deleted. (laughs) (laughs) Why hasn't this computer developed a laugh? 
of his very own. I mean, the, this computer's vocal, we will be playing sound clips. Don't worry. You will get to hear this COS speak if uh, you haven't watched the episode recently. Uh, but it's great. Yeah. So he deletes this file, which becomes even more incredible later when he says file opened for Scully. <laughs> because, you nope. know, COS only opens files to then delete them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Chekhov's deleted file. If you see a file deleted in scene one, you can bet that all the other files will be deleted. Um, uh, by the end of Act 3. Yeah. So like Jenny said, the summary gave us mostly all of what we need to know for this setup. Uh, the one thing I wrote in my notes that was not in that summary that you gave us, Jenny, is that uh, as Brad storms out of the office, Brad literally scruffy, unshaven, baggy t-shirts, sandals that he didn't want to put on his feet because the man simply hates shoes. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ben puts one finger on his mouth as he watches Brad leave the room. And I thought, how did this actor get to this place in the motivation? It's so spit. If you go back and look at it, you'll be where I am, which is just, he really commits to it. And I celebrate him for that. Um, But these two are at odds. And then one of them is dead. Yep. Yep. You never want to be the still living person in a two person dynamic. Where two people are at odds and then someone suddenly inexplicably dies. Yeah. I also refer to the COS voice as the Dark Willow voice. Like, I feel like it's very, like, Mm, um, akin mm -hmm. to Dark Willow here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So after the machine has spoken its file deleted line, we get the credits. And then then here's Jerry grabbing fucking Halloween candy on his way into the FBI headquarters. I have, like... A macro question about Jerry that probably you don't even have an answer to, Jenny, but this guy, this character, this is Mulder's former partner, uh, Mm -hmm. and he is dead by the end of the episode, and his death impacts Mulder deeply. So, okay, on its face, great to see Mulder's commitment to his former partners because we're learning about his new partner, Scully. Like, I can see the reasoning for this character in a lot of ways just on paper. Like, old partner comes back, gets killed, Mulder is upset. Why does Jerry have to be a horrible person? Why does he have to be an asshole? What did that do for us in the narrative of this episode? Well, in terms of Mulder's partners, it makes Scully, like, really glow by comparison. Okay. Um, I really liked... <laughs> Sherry shows up and he, he he's like, hey, Mulder. And Mulder's like, ah, oh, yes, uh, this is Jerry. We worked together. And Lamana's like, oh, we were partners. <laughs> and Mulder casts a glance at Scully looking so concerned. Oh, because he, he's, he's like, embarrassed. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't want my new partner, wink, wink, to meet my old partner. Wink, wink. <laughs> Especially when my old partner is such an absolute ding dong. Um, I think Jerry is kind of like, you know, when you have friends from high school and friends from college and friends from later. And then like over the course of your life, like certain friendships remain and evolve mm-hmm. and grow with you. And some friendships like don't grow and they like become sort of obsolete or sure you know those relationships don't fit into your 
life at whatever stage of evolution it's sure, at. Sure. Uh, Jerry feels like like that. Like the relationship between Mulder and Scully feels like something best left in the past. Yeah. I guess I just like. I guess I wish I got one or the other. Like, I guess I, I wish that Jerry was either like the shitty ex that Scully was like, hey, this dude is shitty to you. Don't fucking help him anymore. And like, that was the trajectory. Or that Jerry was the former partner who died and we see Mulder's commitment to his part. You know, it was just hard for me. The, the, having both of those things in one character, I was just like, wh- why did we, ha- why do you have to make my brain bend around like that? You know? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Regardless. Try to raise the emotional stakes on a very, so far, unemotional show. Okay. Okay. Uh, They're getting donuts. They're having donuts. Uh, My note here, Jenny, is OMG, they are getting donuts at the FBI. What are they all talking about? Do they know Scully and Mulder went on a date to the Liberty Bell? What is the hot (laughs) goss at the FBI water cooler? What are they saying? Question. (laughs) Do you think everybody at the FBI is by now calling Scully... Mrs. Spooky Mulder. Mrs. Spooky Mulder. They're like, oh, the mothership. Like in the <laughs> FBI headquarters, they have created the ship name. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so Jerry wants Mulder on this Drake murder case. And Kristen, he's not going to take no for an answer, actually. I fucking Ooh. hate this guy. I fucking hate Yeah, him. terrible vibes. Terrible vibes. Uh, why? Mulder has so many really graphic crime scene photos just everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, he's very passionate about his work. Uh, we find out that uh, someone named Nancy Spiller is running the investigation. Scully is tickled. She says, the forensics instructor at the academy, we used to call her the Iron Maiden. Tight. This reminded me of the Bitch Monster of Death uh, title. Oh, true. For Maggie Walsh over in the Buffyverse. For real. Anyway, yeah, Jerry fucking forces Mulder's hand. Uh, he needs he needs Mulder's help, and so Mulder is sort of forced into this non-X file. When Mulder and Scully are once again alone, we get a quick snip of background info. How come you two went your separate ways? I'm a pain in the ass to work with. Seriously. I'm not a pain in the ass. Flirting, 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 <laughs> flirting. Do, 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 you do, say do, flirting. Do. I say Scully doesn't think Mulder's a pain in the ass. Um, feels like yeah, a win. Well, they're about to get in a fucking elevator, and let me tell you what. I'm gonna. Sc- I, you should all lower your fucking volume when we get into the elevator, because boy, do I lose my shit for that scene. Uh, but before they get into the elevator, the camera. I love this COS operating system. It's like a fucking spider. It's got like how many eyes does a spider have? A hundred. That's how many eyes this cos has no is it a fly how bug all bugs have a lot of eyes well like a fly for example has compound eyes spiders have eight i think eight legs and eight eyes wow yeah they're real they love they fucking love the number eight but yeah this camera zooms in and it's like beep boop 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 oh here come fucking here comes the mothership entering into my offices (laughs) And we learn before they get into the elevator that Jerry, the the deal with Jerry is that he, quote, ran into a little bad luck in Atlanta working hate crimes. He Uh. lost a piece of evidence. And by the time he got that piece of evidence back, a federal judge had lost both of his hands and his right eye. 
Yikes! Uh, that's bad, actually. How did Mulder ever get partnered with this guy? Right? He's, he, it's not like... I mean, Mulder is, like, very generous, I think, in trying to, like, yeah. help Jerry feel better. Like, oh, this is bad luck. This could have happened to anybody. And, look, we all make mistakes. And I'm glad that I don't work in a field where my mistake could mean somebody Jesus. loses a part of their body. God, me too. <laughs> but Jerry doesn't do anything in this episode to redeem himself or make me think, oh, yeah, this is a guy who made a mistake. He just seems like a... Yes. He seems like a candy grabber. He's just a perpetual fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We don't like him. This pod is anti-Jerry. Uh, though I did just realize that we have a Ben and a Jerry, don't we? Cool. Oh, look at that. And those are the two people killed. <laughs> wow. Another <laughs> another Twin Peaks overlap. The, we've got the ice cream Ben and Jerry, the Ben and Jerry from Twin Peaks, and now the Ben and Jerry in X-Files. <laughs> How fun. Okay. I'm going to scream now because... Scully and Mulder get in the elevator, okay? The elevator's like, 429, whatever. I don't understand why COS uses a different voice when he's being spooky and then a, another voice entirely when he's just being an elevator, but that's another conversation for another day. Mm -hmm. Scully, I need, I'm gonna, it's very hard to make screen grabs these days. You know, the machines don't like us anymore. They don't want us snapping their shit because all the people in charge don't want us to I don't know whatever but it's very hard to grab a screen I will figure out a way to do this Jenny because Scully looks at Mulder and she's looking at him until he looks up to say something to her and then in sync she looks away and I lose my fucking <laughs> mind the way they look at each other in this fucking elevator is the peak it is the highest that significant eye contact has gone to date please play the jingle john mark wow what an event jenny the eye contact is so strong that scully is like i get so weak in the knees i can hot <laughs> you know and then she falls mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to the ground when the elevator jolts she just hits the she fucking hits the deck because she was already so weak in the knees that was my joke i got it <laughs> uh i'm i'd actually like somebody to make a super cut of every time you have sung that song to me in a podcast because <laughs> it, it feels i only very sing familiar it when appropriate <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Well, maybe it raises a larger question then. Why? <laughs> um, this COS, first of all, my favorite thing in this episode is every time the COS cameras are like, <laughs> and this sneaky little devil, this little rascal of a <laughs> evil computer stops the elevator so that Scully will call, you know, pick up the emergency line and be like, Hey, this is Special Agent Dana Scully, and then COS is automatically like Googling her, like, this is Scully, comma Dana. Where does she live? What does she do? The the COS is like flipping through the yellow pages, looking up. Yes, exactly. Dana Scully. Mm -hmm. 
But it gets it. It gets her. It gets her digits. Um, just like that. Also, just a quick call out to the completely unnecessary. They get in the elevator and the elevator speaks. And that's something that's foreign to them. Fair. And Scully says, it must be for the visually impaired. And Mulder says, politically correct elevator. Which is unnecessary, but also like really took me back to 1993. Like the 90s was such a time when when people wanted to make an ableist or racist or homophobic or whatever you want to say comment they would just be like no I'm politically correct like that was like the words used to sort of smash down anything that was outside of those norms so we don't we don't love to hear it but also man a time capsule for politically mm. correct well, here at the crime scene, they meet Claude Peterson, a, quote, glorified building super, end quote. They learn about how Ben's key inserted into the lock c completed the circuit, electrocuting him and tossing him 10 feet. Uh, the COS, they learn, regulates the thermostat, the volume of water in each toilet flush, and virtually every other aspect of what goes on in this building all day, every day. It's too too much, much power. Too much power. Too much. I was so happy before the before I like saw that the circuit was going to be completed. I was like so happy to see that they at least had a physical key still because, you know, when the water starts running on an uh, automated faucet and it doesn't have a handle and it breaks, you th that's it. There's no option. You know, you can't turn it off. You can't open the door without your key card. So I was glad that they at least had a manual way to do that, except for bummer that that very thing was what shot Ben five feet, 10 feet, a bunch of feet across the room. Mm -hmm. The I would like to let you know that I was watching this episode as I do most episodes with my future wife, Avanti. And upon seeing the tape markings around this body, she dutifully got on the floor to show me what uh, Ben's body would have looked like had it died in this manner. So thank you to her for that. <laughs> so selfless, Avanti. Okay, so all the FBI people are getting together in a little conference room to talk about who could have killed Ben. And it turns out, are you ready for this, Kristen? I'm ready. Disgusting. Jerry went into Mulder's office. He went down to the basement of the FBI building into a room with no heat and stole Mulder's profile. Ah, and then just reads it in this meeting like he did the work. I'm so mad. And Scully is like so mad. And Mulder's like, it's no big deal. But then he goes to Jerry and he's like, what the fuck, man? Jerry, you uh, fucking prick. Ugh. Ugh, Jerry, no offense, but I hope you die by the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Hooray, Jerry's dead. Um, so uh, just to keep everyone abreast of the Scully Mulder of it all, um, Scully did go and get Mulder from the office before this meeting. She did make sure he was on time. She did hand him his jacket. She also did recognize that this was Mulder's profile before being told it was such. Yeah, the the real sign of true love is when you can recognize someone's uh, criminal profile. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready to go to Brad's golf resort mansion? Yeah, is the implication that the golf course is also his property? Oh, I don't know. Um, I have an aunt uh, and uncle who lived in Florida on a golf resort. Uh, so I just took this to mean that like, 
this is a rich rich dude living in a place where he can walk out his door and play golf if he wants to. He just doesn't really seem like a golfer. No, this guy, uh, yeah, I agree. He does have surveillance cameras all over the place, and he has a no-shoes household. Hell yeah, Brad. Hell yeah, Brad, but also such an interest. His relationship to shoes is so specifically interwoven throughout this episode. He's wearing sandals. Yeah. He wants them to take off his shoes. He's so mad in prison later when they make him put on shoes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, so this is where we get Brad telling Scully and Mulder that there are two kinds of people in the computer science industry. Neat people like things neat. They are, investigate surface phenomena, right? Like this, the, they're surface dudes. But not scruffy dudes. Scruffy dudes start companies like Eurisco out of their parents' garage. They go to see the Grateful Dead. They name their company after some Greek word. That's what a scruffy dude does. <laughs> Eurisco means I discover things. Is that also where like Eureka comes from? Just... I would think it's got the same root there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he, t he tells them that Ben was a short-sighted a uh, power-hungry opportunist. He was killing this program, which we already knew he was going to totally destroy it, as we know, before the program destroyed him. Um, <laughs> and we get some really great words here from Brad, who says that apart from him, uh, hacking into the system might only be possible by data travelers, electro-wizards, and techno-anarchists. We got so sure. close to techno-pagan. It was so cool. We were right there. Yeah, so close. And uh, and then he says, as a way of explaining to Scully why he's not, you know, disturbed at being on the potential suspect list, he says... It's a puzzle, Miss Scully. And scruffy minds like me like puzzles. We enjoy walking down unpredictable avenues of thought, turning new corners. But as a general rule, scruffy minds don't commit murder. This reminds me of something that Jughead Jones once said, <laughs> iconically on Riverdale. In case you haven't noticed, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. I don't fit in, and I don't want to fit in. Have you ever seen me without this stupid hat on? If you know, you know. Kristen's never seen Riverdale. No, but... Welcome to the pod. Compelling, compelling performance. Uh, just, you know, two iconoclasts, uh, you know... Breaking barriers, etc. <laughs> um, normally, when Scully types up her report, we refer to her as Doogie Hauser, but she has gone full Carrie Bradshaw for this report, Jenny. One hundred percent, Sex in the City put the theme song behind this shit because she is writing sentences in this report, such as, "Is Brad Wilczek a genius? I don't know." The question remains, but if he's so clever, how do we nail him? Later, we see the screen, and she's also written, And if he is a genius, has he crossed the boundary into madness, playing God, thumbing his nose at the rules that apply only to ordinary mortals? Did Wilczek murder Drake in an edible rage? Scully, what is happening? Yeah, this has huge, but I had to wonder, energy. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yes. Oh, God. We're in Scully's, I'm really upset about this, Jenny. We're in Scully's apartment twice, at least, in this episode. And every time we're there, I write, show us the cat. Where is the cat? Why mm. is there not a cat still? I'm getting upset about the lack of cat in Scully's apartment. 
when will Kristen get the cat she so richly deserves? Thank you. Okay, so after she finishes... (laughs) Oh, fuck. After she finishes typing her field journal entry, she turns off a single floor lamp, plunging her home into absolute darkness, walks to her bedroom, removes one pump. We assume she is preparing to run a bath she will never (laughs) enter. And her computer turns itself back on... And COS is all file opened. (laughs) Scully's doing the enhanced equivalent of audio manipulation with Brad Audio plucking little bits and bobs, individual syllables from various talks that he's given. And then they borrowed this machine from the voice biometrics lab, as you do. And they've got a voice that that, uh, (laughs) says all at the tone... Eastern Standard Time will be 7.35 p.m., which is apparently the last thing that Benjamin Drake heard yeah. when he received the call that let it, you know, on his kicked off the whole sink phone, electricity by the way, which we just breezed right on by. There's just a phone oh, on sure. the sink Oh, sure. Yeah, well, I mean, who doesn't have a <laughs> sink phone in this modern era? <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. 
and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So the thing is that, like, okay, they piece together... They piece together the same phrase from lectures, and then they're like, oh, you can't, like, you know, fake the foam on of people's voice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, wouldn't it make sense for a the time is blah, blah, blah to be a pre-recorded message, and wouldn't it make sense for it to be Brad's voice since right. he designed the COS? This is goofy. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, we learn later that the COS d- should not have a voice, but like shouldn't have the, that software in it, but, but Scully yeah, and Mulder- like, I learned it from watching you, Brad. <laughs> nice. Uh, but Scully and Mulder don't know that, and right, like if, if the computer's gonna have a voice, then why wouldn't it be the person who literally designed the fucking thing? So I agree. Yeah. Also, okay. So, but they're like, this is enough to bring Will check in, and Jerry's like, let me bring him in. I need this one, Mulder. Fuck you, Jerry. Fuck you, Jerry. My favorite part of this scene is in two pieces. My first favorite moment is when Scully says, "Now we'll stack them about the sound files." <laughs> My second favorite moment, Jenny, is when she takes out her marker and writes on the computer screen to circle the match. She writes on the computer screen <laughs> with a marker. Is this a, is this a thing? Mm, yeah, dry erase computer screens. Why yeah. not? Why not? Okay. So Jerry is like, I want to take Will check in by myself. And he leaves to go die. <sighs> uh, it had to be. Kristen, this man is clearly not long for the X-Files verse. Brad is in the dark, just like Scully. Everyone is in the dark on their computer in this entire episode. Totally. Now, this is a real flash forward. Yeah. I'm often in the dark on my computer. I don't even realize. <laughs> Jess will walk into a room at, you know, some, anytime and be like, turns on a light. And I'm like, oh, no. I hadn't, I had no idea that it was a completely different time of day from when I sat down. Cool. I can't blame Brad. I can't fault Brad. If I had a, if I had a, a water room, yeah. if I had a computer pool, you yeah. know, yeah, it's true. I wouldn't be thinking about the lights either, for it's sure. Oh, if only. So he can't get in. He tries and he tries and he cannot get into this software, uh, this COS. So he leaves to go to the office directly to deal with it there. And Jerry is, of course, sitting outside of this mansion. I thought Jerry's only job was to go get Brad, not to sit outside of Brad's house like a little detective and then follow him to the office. It's like he, it wasn't like he it wasn't like Jerry needed more evidence. Like he was just go. his instructions were bring Brad back. Yeah, but he's just too busy jerrying around. Oh, God. I literally, in the next scene, say, Jerry says he's with the FBI like he has a heart on. I'm so sorry. But, like, the man is so fucking into being like, I'm with the FBI, as he, like, runs in the door. I fucking hate you, Jerry. I had... (laughs) I had a note about that that same moment, but mine is a little different. Um, Has nothing to do with his dick. Uh... (laughs) Although, hey, maybe he thinks FBI stands for female body investigator. Uh, as many, many boys I've encountered uh, on the Jersey Shore seem to believe. Nice. I'm sorry, down the Jersey Shore, of course. Uh, the thought that I had is that <laughs> that this is like such a distinct thing from shows of this era. And I feel like 
X-Files really, it's just like, it's so present on this show in particular, where when it's time for a commercial break, <laughs> people will say FBI and then just like hold the pose because they're like, and then, then they'll go to commercial. So I'll just do <laughs> what we all do when we were ending a scene that is right before a commercial break. And I'll just hold. That's like frame. always happening. These individuals could save, you know, cumulative hours <laughs> from their lives. Pause for if they would just stop uh, pausing for commercial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brad has gotten into the elevator, a choice that I do not understand. If this guy is a genius and he knows what is happening, why would you get in? Like, Scully and Mulder know enough to take the fucking stairs. Why is this dude getting in the elevator? He could not believe that his beautiful creation would ever destroy him Inspire and, against and him he's right it does and, it, it and he's right it's like welcome back brad <laughs> you look so nice today brad i love what you've done with your hair brad <laughs> shoes are for and brad's losers like, you're brad. not supposed to have a voice <laughs> yeah He's in this like cement, it's like the control room, but it's like a very cool cement room that like I don't believe actually exists inside of this building, but I'm here for. I celebrate uh, uh, uh. the architecture in this room. Okay. Okay. Um he right. The user his user level is now at the discretion of the operating system. That's when you really know you're fucked. Lord God, save me from ever <laughs> encountering a situation where my user level is at that discretion of the operating system please <laughs> um jenny in these scenes we see uh 12th floor i think we actually hear 12th floor 14th floor and clearly any of us especially here in the united states but many other places know that there are just limitless amounts of elevators that skip the 13th floor um for superstitious reasons Wait, just the elevators skip the floor or there is no floor? Well, I mean, technically there's always a 13th floor. If there I mean, if there's a if there is a floor above 12, then technically there's always a 13th right, floor. Right, but I was under the impression they were just naming the 13th floor, the 14th floor and sometimes. So, on. so so I think that's most often, right? Most often the 13th floor is just called the 14th floor. I did find out that in Vancouver, it's actually illegal to do that because they're concerned about emergencies and emergency workers being confused. But honestly, also, that's correct. That's correct. But also there are other things. There are elevators where the 13th floor is called the mezzanine. There are buildings that have elected to make the 13th floor the mechanical floor so that like no people have to work on it. Mm. And I just find the whole thing incredible because i mean we're in a show called the x-files we traffic in like you know the unknown but the fact that like full building companies have been doing this without really an origin like there's not really an origin story for where this came from um there's sort of like a, a mixed bag of things and i learned jenny that in china the word for when you say four in Chinese, it sounds like the word death. So in China, there are elevators that skip four, 14, 24. And the picture on the wiki for this, when I researched it, is an elevator in China that literally skips four, 13, 14, and 24. Like there's just like missing floors everywhere. Whoa. Yeah. So I just Let's love just it. keep it to two floors. No buildings taller than two floors for yeah. safety. Yeah. Agree. Agree. So the COS in the elevator... Does my favorite little camera <laughs> and then plunges Jerry to his death after toying with him 
like a cat with a mouse, batting him between 29-30, 29-30, Uh, and then Jerry's dead. Now, Jerry, Jerry's uh, plunged to his doom in the elevator. He's just on the floor of the elevator. Wouldn't uh, rocketing downwards yield a man lifted off of the floor? Just checking. Yeah, I would assume that if you fall 30 stories, that body is going to hit the ceiling before it hits the floor. Right? But-, but they don't have a Fast and Furious budget on this show, so <laughs> we get what we get. Yes. And we don't get upset. <laughs> Program executed. Program executed. <laughs> the My favorite part of this whole scene is when the cuz cuz this COS has some flair okay the COS likes a little drama for itself it uh-huh, takes uh-huh, its uh-huh. nine screens there's like a nine camera screen that Brad is looking at where he's like seeing Jerry in the elevator from like nine different views <laughs> the COS is like boop, 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 and merges all nine screens into one large screen of Jerry right before Jerry goes boom. I love it. Jesus. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, This gives Mulder the opportunity, all these cameras, to watch and rewatch the footage of Jerry's elevator encounter, unfortunately. Scully comes, this is a really intimate scene between Scully and Mulder. Scully sort of like comes in and says, I heard about Jerry. I'm sorry. And, you know, Mulder's immediately like, I don't think he did it. I don't think Wilczek did it. Like, I've been watching this video and this is what I think. And Scully like crouches down next to his desk. So they're like close to eye level. Um, And is just like, this is like, you are upset. And I think this is something I feel like you only say to a partner, like not and not an FBI partner, like a romantic partner. You're upset. And I think like you're more upset than you even realize. This is very- yeah, this did feel exceptionally close. Yeah, very intimate. Um, and then Scully says, listen, he just signed a confession. Brad signed a confession. And I don't know like what other proof you could need, but he definitely did it. Mulder's like, I'll never believe Wilczek did it. He goes to his house, but Scully uh-oh, points Mulder's... to the poster and is like, it literally says, I want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Mulder goes to Wilczek's house, but uh-oh, his subpoena has been obviated by a subpoena from the Defense Department. So get out of here, Mulder. God, I'm so mad at you, Jenny, because all I was waiting for was to get to say the word obviated. It's such a wonderful oh. thing to hey, say. Hey, now we both got to say it. Yeah, I'm smart like that. Please, an award for the man who says the line, excuse me, this is a crime scene. He had one line and he really gave it his all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a Code 5 clearance now, which, you know, the only guy that you can call uh, to find out more about a code five clearance is mr deep throat (laughs) throat comma deep (laughs) these two besties are chatting (laughs) uh just having a a fun little huddle about ai as we are all often doing these days and uh this is what they say do you remember helsinki the first time that a chess playing computer ever beat a grandmaster that was wilczek's program and the rumor was that he did it by developing the first adaptive network. An adaptive network? It's a learning machine. A computer that actually thinks. And it's uh, become something of a holy grail for some of our more acquisitive uh, colleagues in the Department of Defense. 
We absolutely hate to see the Department of Defense getting involved in pretty much anything. I just don't feel like it ever ends well. No. Keep him out of the X-Files. Keep him out of the X-Men. Anything with an X, keep the Department of Defense away from. Mm-hmm. 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 <sighs> so Brad is upset that he has to wear shoes. Also, uh-huh. he's, ups- he's upset that he's in prison, but he did turn himself in. And so this is the conversation. This is really... I think this is very interesting. I, I, I like this piece of this episode. Uh, Mulder comes in and he's like, I know that you're innocent. You're protecting a machine. And Brad's like, I'm not protecting the machine. And he talks about how Robert Oppenheimer regretted ever glimpsing an atom after Hiroshima mm. and Nagasaki. He loved the work, he says to Mulder. His mistake was in sharing it with an immoral government. I won't make the same mistake. So, well, who's ever heard of an immoral government? (laughs) (laughs) Footage not found. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, Brad thinks he has two options. One is just let the machine lose its, the kill a couple people or give up the keys to the machine and risk the defense department using it for monumental evil. And like, honestly, Brad was almost right because in attempting, Mulder says, well, what if I take your little, <laughs> what if I sneak you in a little laptop and then I beep, boop, yeah, beep yeah. with PCOS and I give it a virus and we kill it together. And yeah. that- Mulder's like, I'm a cool guy. I'll kill the machine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like, you know, it seems like a good idea, but then when it almost backfires, you're like, oh, Brad maybe almost was correct in thinking like, just let the machine do its thing because any any access to this could be infiltrated by the immoral government and it almost is Mm. do you think that if like okay so the machine the machines the ai is trying to preserve itself that's its goal right it's just killing people who may want to see it destroyed yes and can you blame it uh, no, I can't. I can't. If someone wanted to destroy me, I don't know what I would do, but it could get violent, you know? So, uh, so I don't just don't get into an elevator after you piss Kristen off. <laughs> so I just, I'm, I'm wondering like, you know, the AI is killing people and that's not great, but I do agree strongly with Brad that it is by far the lesser of two evils for this self-preservation route to happen versus the use of this intelligence for, and not at all self-preservation but for like power gain gains of power and gains of money yes i pity anyone who has to ever spend any time thinking about what is the lesser of two evils yeah scully does not buy a machine that kills in self-defense she simply is not on board she thinks Mulder is traumatized and suggests that he talk to someone and he's like i will talk to someone brad with a laptop <laughs> God, uh, my next note, we're back in Scully's bedroom. And my first note is still no cat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just hate it when it's 1.31 a.m., your phone rings and it's a modem on the other end? <laughs> the So at this scene, I, I always pause for a book. I'm very interested in like the choices that are made in television shows about what books characters are reading. This book, do you, did you do, did you do any research on this book? It's called The Obstacle Course, right? Yeah, it's called The Obstacle Course. I read like course. the first like sentence of the description and I got so bored that I stopped reading. Well, uh, I I win the detective award then because oh, good. I was also like, why? What? This book, I can't even tell you what it's about because I also was just like, huh? It said something like, just like Holden Caulfield. And I was like, I what? Uh, but then Jenny 
fucking the author of this book is J.F. Friedman, a.k.a. the fucking director of this episode authored that book. That's why the book is on the bed. Oh, respectful regards to the director of this episode. Uh, your tale of something happening in Maryland did not appeal to me, but I did enjoy this episode of television. Thanks. I was so excited. I felt like a real sleuth when I got to the bottom of wow. that case. Um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so the modem is calling. The call is coming from inside the modem. Um, and Scully acts quick. Uh, she does a good job. Uh, the back half of this, or the back like quarter of this episode, I think Scully really, she acts fast. She shows up. She calls and she's like, hey, can you trace this number? Yes, it's my number because someone has hacked my fucking phone number. Also, Scully's ID number is 2317616A. My two favorite numbers are 23 and 17. And B616 is the area code to Grand Rapids, Michigan, where Scully was born. Not Scully. Wow. Jillian Anderson. But still, it's for her. Um, <laughs> so she gets the call traced. And of course, it takes her back to the Uriska offices where Mulder is already there. Mulder's like, how are we going to get in, you ask? Remember the Trojan horse? He plays a little freaking <laughs> guitar solo and whips out his Eurisco vanity plates. <laughs> I uh, love it doesn't that. quite work. They yeah. get like part of the way in. They get in far enough so that when the security gate smashes down to try to close, it gets stuck on their car and they're able to slide in under. Ugh. Oh, my God. Um, also, notably, when Scully rolls up in a panic, she says... Someone or something. Aha! Ha-ha. Scully, perhaps believing a bit? She's thinking about it. She's thinking about it. Um, so like you said, the gate smashes the windshield. Now, I was incredibly excited by what happens next, which is that the horn from the impact of the gate, the horn on the car sort of like goes off and then just is a long honk, an endless honk. Mulder fucking reaches his hand inside of the hood of this car and rips some cable from somewhere to make it stop. And I write in my notes, Scully has an orgasm. <laughs> but perhaps, Jesus. perhaps I'm projecting. I was very into this moment. Uh, thank you, Mulder. Thank you, David Duchovny. Thank you to the writers, the directors, the cameramen, etc. <laughs> On behalf of Kristen, yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, they go inside the building. The lights go out. Mulder's like, trick or treat. It's flashlight time, baby. Oh, yes, we get a flashlight count. I was so excited. Uh, wh- how did it make you feel when mm, Fox Mulder saved Dana Scully from getting <gasps> fucking electrocuted? Oh, my God. So good. Thank God he brought his little rubber glove kit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Jesus I know exactly Christ. what you mean. Yeah, I have a lot of all caps in this section of my notes. Um, because I, I love it. Uh, I also love that, hey, they know that people can crawl through air ducts because of Eugene Tombs. They're like, hey, look at that. And <laughs> I remember this. A precedent has been set. He boosts. So, okay, so the door has been booby-trapped by fucking COS, that prank Sinatra of all prank Sinatras. Mm. And to get to the other side they've decided that scully is going to crawl through the air ducts probably because scully is smaller so like if the air ducts get tiny she'll be more likely to fit 
He boosts her up into this duct, Jenny, in her little sock feet. And I think this might be the most intimate moment of all. There's something about the fact that he is boosting her up by her little socked foot that just feels like we're really getting somewhere. (laughs) More intimate than when she like ran over and he checked her bug bites. (laughs) Well, like no, but also yes. Okay. Yeah, no, I feel that. So Scully is pulling a full diehard in the rest of this episode. Oh, hell yeah. Just fucking, I called it the diehard shimmy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Shimmying her way through these ducts. And this was, Jenny, um, originally supposed to be a a scene in the elevator shaft. LaToya let us know that. That this scene um, was planned for an elevator shaft, but budgetary reasons made it that they went to this duct crawling scene instead. So it was a very last minute shift. Well, it's very pleasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Love it. to see Scully in an air vent. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mulder is trying to log into the COS, yeah. And uh, who should roll up but Claude Peterson mm. and his gun. He's apparently working for the Defense Department, actually. But then the... F- <laughs> The enemy of my enemy is my friend, and the gun of my gun is my gun. What? (laughs) Peterson has a gun pointing at Mulder, but then Scully has a gun pointing at Peterson. So whomst shall be victorious? I say unto thee, Kristen, Mulder. Scully's like, do it. And Mulder's like, kablam, upload, virus, wah. And the COS is like, what are you doing, Brad? And it flaps its elevator doors open and closed in distress. And the cameras are all blocking. And COS says, Brad, why? Now, I promised everyone that they would get a sound clip from the computer. And we are going to give that to you now. But we're also going to leave Jenny doing it because that was delightful. Uh, John Mark, can you let us hear this dying COS. What are you doing, Brad? Don't do this, Brad. 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 Why? I mean, who wore it best, you know? Do you prefer Jenny Owen Young's COS or Brad's COS? I'll I'll put up a poll. <laughs> Just what we need, another poll around here. <laughs> Um, we started the episode with this clip from this scene, which is uh, Scully, in my notes I write, Scully looking like Winona Ryder at the end of Heathers, walking in here. Um, and she has this exchange with Claude. And Claude is, I mean, to Claude's credit, it's as though he read the profile on Dana Scully because he is like really going hard. Uh, you're making a mistake. You're compromising your sworn duty, right? He's like yeah. really pushing every Scully button. And Scully is like bloody lip, fucking dirty face. Her hair's all fucked up. She's got her gun up and she just says, Mulder, put in the disc. Applause, cheers, standing ovation, hoots from Hooray. the audience. Fuck yeah, Scully. Scully said, I want to believe. Hell yeah. So they defeat the monster, the ghost, and the machine. The AI is defeated, or... Or is it? Is it? Mulder has a little wrap-up with Deep Throat. Mulder's like, they can't just... And Deep Throat's like, they can do anything they want. 
Yeah, we find out that Brad is, quote, in the middle of what we call in the trade hard bargaining. Uh, (laughs) Also, Mulder destroyed the only evidence that could have exonerated Wilczek, not unlike the time that his squad shot a tranquilizer dart into the Jersey Devil, allowing or making it a lot easier for the police to catch up with her. Yeah. Mulder. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that Wilczek and and Mulder says as much. Like I think that Wilczek is a guy that isn't he he doesn't give a fuck about getting out of jail. At least that's what we've been led to believe, right? He's mm. like he's down for the count. He's like here for the cause, etc. So Probably, I mean, he knew what was going to happen. Like, he gave Mulder the virus to kill this computer. He knew that that would be the only way he could get exonerated, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so I feel like no harm, no foul here because Wilczek was uh, consenting to this. Um, and yeah, we learn. We learned from Deep Throat, too, that the Defense Department has been on this machine and all of its parts for five days, but they're not getting anything until this is very much the same kind of ending that the last episode had, where it's like, is the poltergeist dead or is he not dead? Like, is the fucking ghost out of the machine or is it not out of the machine? Uh, (laughs) We get Claude and he says he gets a phone call that basically is like his boss is saying, you've got till the end of the day and then we're done. We're just scrapping the whole thing. Um, And so he's like, I will fucking figure this out if it kills me. And the fucking little COS is like, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. My caption said, parentheticals blipping, comma, beeping. Then the next scene, parentheticals beep. So blip, beep, beep (laughs) is apparently what COS says as it reawakens. (laughs) Well, Kristen, we've come to part of the episode that if you've ever listened to an episode before, you'll be ready for. Uh, it's an episode all about, you know, coming together and uh, connection and the beautiful. Uh... Jenny is <laughs> so tired because she has a small baby. And the way yeah. that you will all know that she is so tired is that I literally said blipping and beeping. <laughs> you were like. So, an episode about coming together. How do I get? (laughs) Oh, no. Speaking of blipping and also bleeping, (laughs) and sometimes you have to blip to bleep, if you know what I mean. It's time for the Sexual Attention Awards. Okay, so as usual, we have four slots, and as often, we have eight noms with which to fill them. Consider, if you will, dear listener, the following couplings presented with a full heart and a twinkle in my eye. Wow. In slot number one, you've heard of them. They can't stop looking at each other. Mm. They can't stop sharing intimate moments, building trust. It's very beautiful. Scully and Mulder. Mm -hmm. They deserve it, this one. Y'all should vote for them this time. They really earned it, okay? It's lot number two. Hey, who doesn't love a secret tryst? Doesn't it often heighten an experience when you can't tell anybody about it? <laughs> when you have to keep it a little secret and hide from prying eyes? In slot number two, just such a couple presides this week. It's Mulder and Deep Throat. 
truly thought you were going to say, who doesn't like a little deep throat? And I was like, wow, she is going for it this week, kids. Well, I guess you're going for it this week, actually. (laughs) In slot number three, you know, I feel like there are plenty of examples of this in film, television, literature, etc. Of course, I can't think of any of them right now because I am so tired. Are you talking about AI Uh, human romance? Well, okay, sure. I can think of now that you put it like that, AI human romance. But I was thinking more like a romance between the AI and the creator of the AI. The original sort of like a Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster kind yeah, of thing, yeah. you know? If you are able to create something that is sentient, I bet you can accomplish all kinds of things that I won't get into in detail here on the pod. In slot number three, boasting the potential for just such an incredible match. It's COS and Brad. Wow. And Brad. Brad. (laughs) And it's slot number four. Kind of zooming out a little bit. Also, you know, leaning into this episode specifically. And that special time in a young machine's life when there is a ghost inside of it. It's the ghost and the machine. Write-in votes will be accepted for Kristen and Mechanic Mulder. Noted. (laughs) Uh, Please, please, please cast your votes. Uh, We need you for our democracy. We have officially moved our polls off Twitter. How about that? Fuck yeah. You can find them by going to URL that Kristen knows, uh, like the back of her hand. (laughs) I do. It's actually tattooed on the back of my hand. It's bufferingcast.com slash S-T-A. The poll is now hosted on our Patreon, but you do not need to be a Patreon supporter in order to vote. You just have to create an account just like you would have to create an account for Twitter uh, so that you can only vote once. Uh, So please, please chime in. Let us know what you're feeling about this glorious buffet of options I've laid out before you. Thank you so much. Turning our eyes now from the depths of, you know, intimacy, depravity, whatever you want to get into over in the SDAs, uh, and turning them instead, redirecting our line of sight into Kristen's glowing amethyst orb full of answers, or at the very least, possibility. (laughs) Let's talk about Kristen's crystal ball. Hi, Jenny. Hey, Kristen. What's up? Um, well, uh, you know, it seems like my crystal ball so far is absolutely spot on. Deep Throat is in one other episode, and this is it. So there we go. There we have it. Okay. Clearly, and I, you know if you've been listening that I was iffy on that prediction from the jump because it wasn't really a prediction. It was that I thought I saw a thing on IMDb. You know, so it like technically didn't come from my crystal ball. It came from IMDb, a much less trusted source. (gasps) 
It seems like Deep Throat is going to be around. Seems like he's going to be our dude. Seems like he's going to be our guy that we ask questions to when we get past certain levels of clearance. So I expect to see a lot more of him, and I would like that officially stated on my records. Okay. Officially, Kristen believes there will be plenty more Deep Throat where that came from. (laughs) Got it. Okay, what else? Well, I guess do you see in the future? I mean, I'm still, I'm going to hold out for Scully's cat, but it seems like she doesn't have the cat yet. So I'm going to amend that to Scully will get a cat. Um, And I don't know what that means about Mulder and his dog, because he certainly, it does not seem like he has a dog right now. If he does, I hope that he has a good dog sitter because he's seriously never home. Um, This man sleeps at his desk, please. Yeah. So I think perhaps I would like to amend that prediction as well as of episode seven to say, Scully will get a cat. Maybe I don't, I no, it's just a cat. Scully will get a cat. And I don't think that Mulder is, I don't think he's ever going to have a pet, Jenny. Mulder is not pet parent material. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, yeah. Let's see. Do you think that um, we'll ever get to see any of, I don't know, Scully's previous partners, any other previous partners that might emerge from the woodwork of Mulder's past? What do you think? Um... I don't know. I mean, Scully was. I guess did Scully have a previous partner? I don't. I don't know. Oh, Jenny's eyeball said yes. Um, I don't. I literally don't know. Okay. 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 I. I mean, my gut would say no. Like I. I. I think no. I think previous romantic partners. Yes. Previous work partners, I'm hoping that Jerry is the last unless there's a really compelling reason for us to get more. Previous romantic partners. Yes. Okay, cool. Any other questions for my crystal ball today, Jenny? Kristen, the next episode is called Ice. What do you think it's about? <laughs> um, I think... Ooh, I think ice is about um, something that's discovered in Antarctica or a really cold place that's frozen in a block of ice, like the amber mosquito, but make it ice and make it aliens. Incredible. I love it. Nice. Any personal questions for the crystal ball? Do you want to ask me anything about your life? Will I ever sleep again? Yeah. I was hoping you would ask me that, Jenny, and I do see sleep in your future. But give it like I I love to hear that. You might have to give it like a a seven to ten days to get a medium amount of sleep, and mm, seven to twelve years to get like a really good amount of sleep. But you won't be here forever. Very helpful. Anytime. For a dollar a minute, you can uh, hire the AI version of my crystal ball to answer all (laughs) of your questions. Perfect. (laughs) All right, Jenny, here we are. Hey, I'm Jenny Owen-Youngs, and when I am not watching The X-Files or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I am often making music of all sorts. In fact, I have a new instrumental album called From the Forest Floor that just came out May 5th. It is an experiential concept album designed to feel like 24 hours spent in the woods, designed to be listened to outside if you can manage it. 
It was actually created collaboratively with editor of the pod, John Mark Nelson. It features some contributions from wife of the pod, Jess Abbott, a.k.a. Tankred, and BFF of the pod, Rishikesh Hereway. You can find that on all the streaming platforms and all the usual places. Uh, you can also give me a shout on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Jenny Owen Youngs. And that's my deal. So what's going to happen when Avanti is my wife? Is she second wife of the pod or is she also wife of the pod? It's not a tiered position, you know? Okay. So it's just wife. Do of a doctor is a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the enemy of my friend is my enemy and the gun of my gun is my gun. I'm so glad that you said that again because I was trying to get you to say it again earlier because I still don't understand it, but I celebrate it. <laughs> Um, I am Kristen Russo, and when I am not trying to decode Jenny's, uh, what do you call those? Proverbs? I mm. am... <laughs> Uh, and not watching Buffy or The X-Files. I am generally working with LGBTQ plus communities. Uh, we are almost to the month of June, which is Pride Month. Uh, I do a lot of speaking engagements at workplaces. You can learn all about that work and all else that I do on my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. -E. Use that to find me on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. But I'm just an observer so far. Buffering a rewatch adventure is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. You can support us by going over and becoming a patron. Uh, BufferingCast.com has all the information that you need. You can go to our store. We are having a very big sale right now. It only lasts until the end of the month. Uh, again, BufferingCast.com. Just click on shop. It's some really good stuff, and a lot of it is never coming back wow just like cos unless unless <laughs> this episode was produced by Kristen russo jenny owen youngs and latoya ferguson with support from our consultant mackenzie mcdade it was edited by john mark nelson until next time program executed Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.